Hey there, I'm Michelle Sherrier, and this is the Retail Whore Podcast. Stories and lessons from the life in retail. Hello, hello, welcome back. It is Wednesday, and at this moment, I am currently in the middle of setting up holiday decor for Bristol Farms. We started last Monday in La Jolla. We have wrapped up seven locations, and um, thankfully, I have the weekend off, so I'm able to catch up on sleep um, because this these hours are no joke. And for anybody that pulls overnights, I have mad respect for you now. Um, it's try, you know, we have 1 a.m. start times, 2 a.m. start times, and 3 a.m. start times. And the ones that start at 1 a.m., um, you know, you're trying to go to bed at 5 p.m. and the alarm's going off at 11:30, and you're in a store at 1 a.m. and it's, you know, it's after a while you get used to it, and you have a, there's a very clear moment where you go, okay, I think I've, you know, I'm over the hump. Um, so I'm over the hump and we've got seven more locations and seven more nights of installs. We'll have next weekend off as well, which would be great. And then we'll wrap up the final in Santa Barbara. So, um, so there you go. (laughs) That's what I'm working on right now. Uh, and this week, uh, we return to the life after anthropology series. I have a chance to interview one of my favorites, Elaine Strawbridge. She and I go way back in anthropology. We were together for some time. She went on to move into upper management where she played much more of a mentor than a manager and her belief of um, working with people and mentoring them and um, letting their creative creative process flow is really why she is such an incredible manager. And we talk about her time um, within uh, the multiple stores and we talk about her craziest moment at Anthropology because that is one of my favorite questions. And we talk about what she's working on now and how she is a freelance and how she's still doing what she loves, developing and working with um, new retailers and new businesses. So without further ado, here is my friend, Elaine Strawbridge. Welcome to the Retail Whore Podcast. I am so grateful that you're doing this with me because one, I love you. And two, it's like, it's just so great to see your face. So you, you are one of the first interview I'm doing for this series. And it's a five or six part series and it's life after anthropology. And as I told everybody, when I talked to everyone on the phone was like, it's what I feel like is that what, where all of us are in our careers. I feel like Anther had a huge hand in it. Both creatively as well as like best practices and putting in, like I never went through reports and whatnot in my old jobs, like for Z Gallery, for some reason, it was like all the numbers were kept kind of secret. You knew what you did day in, day out, but you didn't see the company overall. And Anthro putting in those, those reports that we went through every week, like that changed the game for me. And it's still now, like I said, I'm getting pictures of the pharmacy right now. And like, I go through their reports every week and that's all because of Anthro. But tell everybody what um, your role was in anthropology, which store or stores were you at and um, how long were you there for? Okay. Well, I was with Anthro for 17 years, so I was definitely there for a long time. Um, and I started in 1999 in actually in Highland Park, Illinois, 
because um, I'm originally from Chicago. So started there and then made my way to California where I landed in Santa Barbara. So I was in that store for a little under a year, wasn't quite a full year. But then I came down to Southern California and kind of made my way around. So I started in Beverly Hills when it was in the old space up on North Beverly Drive. Yeah. Uh, then Santa Monica on Third Street Promenade. Um, we were together. Exactly. And then after that, I started doing, uh, well, I take it back. I went then to Pasadena, but I had, I had left for just a little bit of time um, I got recruited to do something else for about a year. And then I came back as a senior visual manager out of Pasadena. And that's when I started doing multi-store. So that was around 2006. And then for, well, about the next seven years or so, six or seven years, I was then a district visual manager. So I oversaw um, initially kind of Northern LA County, up to Santa Barbara. And then when I left, it was my office was in the Grove and overseeing like Orange County and more like central LA. El Segundo, all of that. What so. when so when you were jumping, when you were doing all those stores, you were a visual manager, where they just like, plop you into the store and you'd be there for X amount of time? Or because like for me, like they when I I left and then they brought me back in a different capacity, like they'd send me out to stores that lost a visual manager. So I was out in like Where's the area that has such bad wind problems? Like up to five or something. It was oh, a Sunny Valley. Yeah. So I was up there yeah. for a while. And then I was at another store for a while, just like filling in. And and it was such an yeah. odd thing because you weren't connected to the store, but it was just mm-hmm. there to make it look good. Right. Right. When I, the whole time I was there, I was either in a store like in the Santa Monica days or the Beverly Hills days. I was the visual manager in that store leader of the visual team. And then as the district visual manager, I then, you know, oversaw the visual teams in all of the stores. So I, I feel like each of those districts, it was somewhere between like six and 10 stores. And that was, that was kind of the, where the fun really happened because I was working with a lot of different people and really cultivating the ideas of the teams in those stores. So that was, yeah, that was, well, yeah, that was a, many years which was awesome and did you prefer that one to doing because I mean, i'm guessing because i remember like when kylie would come in with us like even though she was still a dm she would like get in there get her hands dirty and i remember that about you that you did the same yeah thing. is that, yeah, is that totally. more more um uh satisfying satisfying than going to the same place every single day like being able to chance because now i love being able to go to a different store every day i mean that to me is the best part Yeah, it was. I mean, I think for a while, like earlier in my time with Anthro, I wasn't that interested in doing multi-store simply because I felt like there was so much stuff to do at the store level. And, you know, we had so much creative freedom that it was just endless. But then over time, and it just became more challenging to do to visit stores. And I agree with you. I think it was the dynamic quality of working with different people, working in different spaces, having all sorts of different challenges, certainly different customer bases. Um, and that just became so much more interesting. And and then, I, I don't know, I mean, it also, I think one of the things that I loved about that type of role is that each of the teams had their own unique style. Like they, you know, whoever was the visual manager in, for instance, in the Grove, that team they were going to be the most elevated. They were the most senior usually because yeah. that that grow that store was the kind of the, the pinnacle of the Southern California area, and that was 
such a different experience for me because they, they didn't need me to mentor them in the same way as maybe a new visual manager in like Torrance. You know, yeah. that was a smaller store, lower volume. So it, yeah, it was just, it was fun because every day was different. Um, you know, it, at times, I mean, you know, from, from what you're doing and what you have been doing forever, you know, holiday, like the hustle and bustle of trying to get through the six weeks of setting up holiday, but traveling stores was just absolute craziness. But it was also, it was also such a, I don't know, such a point of pride because it was for the, for the visual retail folks, I was used to think of it as like, that's our Super Bowl. So we had to bring our, we had to put all of our other stuff aside for that time to make sure we did the best job possible. And, you know, about 5 a.m. mornings or overnights, I mean, you name it, we did it (laughs) in the name of pretty. (laughs) The overnights, like I, I was lucky that I got out of, like, I, I would, I would happily go there at three o'clock in the morning versus like trying to stay awake past like nine o'clock. Cause I was so used to going to bed because normal, normal starting time. I don't think a lot of people know this, but normal starting time in an anthro is like 5 a.m. And then you're, you're more or less wrapped it up on the floor by the time 10 opens. Like you still kind of have working on stuff, but it's not like a blown up store the way it is like six in the morning. I still have those hours just because it's like, it's, it is crazy. It is. It's so much like more gratifying that you'll be able like at, at 10 and just go, okay, like we have a good amount done. Like I feel good about this and right. Um, but the overnight thing, no, grandma couldn't do yeah. it. I mean, I was yeah. old when I started there. So I, you know, I can't, I mean, seriously, compared <laughs> to like most of the kids that were there, I mean, I, yeah. think I was 28 when I started there and that's, you know, that's older. Like, yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I think, yeah, I was, I think I had just turned 26 or 27 when I started with Anthro. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, I was not a fan of the overnights. I, I don't, I actually, for anybody listening out there that <laughs> runs stores, I actually think overnights are terrible because sleep is one of the most important things that we can all get. And whether, you know, whether we decide to get up always at, at such an early morning, having a routine makes everything better. Yeah. And just what it does to your body and what it does to your mind is, I don't think you get the most out of people in an overnight unless that's what they do all the time. Yeah. And so. that's when we do the, when we do Bristol farms, we do it. We start like at anywhere from midnight to three in the morning for the smaller volume stores. Mm-hmm. And it is like, now it's really hard at this age, but I mean, by the end of the two weeks, it's like, okay, I'm used to this, but I don't know how people, I mean, like for the people that do those overnights, like on, on a day to day, I don't know how people do it. Like, you yeah. don't even have a life. It's like, like literally yeah. like, I'm going to go to bed now. It's like, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so which, which was out of all the anthros that you're at, which was the most inspiring out of all of them? Well, I think, I think what in the Santa Monica days, I mean, I, there were so many, there were amazing milestones throughout, but in the time when I was still in one store and I was in Santa Monica, I had a really great store manager partner who managed to make her magic in terms of protecting the business, managing the payroll. So we, you know, we had enough support to get what we need to get done. But I also had um, two really talented people working with me. One was an apparel manager and one was the assistant visual manager. And there was just some, there was just kind of a magical combination. All of our 
strengths and weaknesses really balanced out with each other. And we were just able to be incredibly creative, but also we had such a good business year. And Mm. I, you know, I also don't know if there was something going on. I don't remember exactly what year it was. Um, You know, maybe the economy was booming in a way that just retail was having a moment, but Anthro was also at the height of kind of coolness. Like we had, we were still pretty exclusive, but it was also growing and it was an exciting time to be there. But Santa Monica, you know, that space, like having two floors or in a mezzanine, like it just made it so much fun. Um, Lots of windows. Um, And the promenade, you know, for as crazy as it is, it has a pretty lively customer base. So I, I enjoyed the afternoons when it would get busy because mm-hmm. you kind of knew that's, you know, it was, a, and then you can watch and see, and you, you kind of see that your job made difference, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, but I also, when I was a DM or D- DVM, my office was at the Grove and, you know, that store had, it just always had such an incredible team. Oh, that, that store was like, I mean, I, I think I've only been there twice, but I remember going there, I think relatively soon after they opened and just like, the level of display was just, there's not, there's not even a way you can put it in words. It was just so next level from what everybody yeah. else was doing. I mean, it was like a store opening, I, I, I guess yeah. it was like a store opening all of the time. And that, and yeah. for those that don't know, a store opening, it's like, there's man hours like you would not believe. They bring in all the best of the best from all over the region. And everybody collectively turns out this just insane store opening and it's it never in my opinion stores never usually look that good as they did the opening but grow yep. always seemed to just be at that level all the time yeah yeah they they definitely raised the bar and i think what was also fun there is we would do a ton of workshops that we would you know usually every season so you know fall and spring we would do some sort of a big workshop in some store so a lot of times it was just the grove other times it could have been some little store where we just brought all the visual talent for a week to one place. And that was always such a highlight because, I mean, it's it's a pretty incredible experience to be surrounded by, I don't know, eight to 10 really incredibly talented man- visual managers and then also their display coordinator. So you've just, just got this massive creative party. And it was you know, it was fun to challenge ourselves and kind of out try to outdo each other. Did you, know, you ever creative did you ever run into like ego problems? Because I don't remember that, but I want I you know you, you I mean everybody obviously because everybody's so close to a project that all of us have yeah. our own ego about how something looks, and it's like, did you ever have like with that many creative people? That's a lot of ego with everybody. But it, did you ever have, or is everyone just kind of just like collectively just all for one? I think everybody was pretty much all for one. I mean, I think there was healthy competition from store to store. Like I think at holiday, for instance, when the visits would come around, you, you wanted to be the store that was like the The favorite visit. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted to be that store or you wanted to end up, you know, having your pictures shared around. Um, But for the most part, there was it was there wasn't anything that like in the moment or even at a store opening there was never that because I think everybody was just trying to be a part of something that was better than they thought it could be and and I think I mean I think also 
the leaders, the district leaders, whether it was when I was one or before when I was not one, I felt like we fostered such a sense of support. I mean, I feel like that's how we met. You know, you were in Santa Monica. I think I was in You were my DM, right? You were my DVM? No, uh uh-uh. I, you were in Santa, I think when we met, I was in, I had just moved to Santa, no, to Beverly Hills and you were in Santa Monica with, I believe, Sue Wickersham. Yeah, I see. She's going to be on this as well. Hilarious now. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, that's another podcast. (laughs) Funny people we've worked with. (laughs) Oh my God. I adore her. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but I, you know, I know that some of that went on. I mean, I think that's just, unfortunately, you know, that comes with any sort of people work, but I, I, I don't think it manifested itself in a way where it got in our way. If it, if it was, it wasn't on the surface. That's so so rare. I mean, it really, I mean, it's like, I realize now the older I got and because I'm in so many different locations you know, and display subjective. So everybody thinks something looks better than the other. And it's like, there's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very um, fine line. I walk now, like, and it's like, I realize everybody it's, there's always like an ego that somebody gets bent. And it's like, I try with the most gentle hand of explaining why we're doing things, but it's like, I always think about that. Like there's so many creative people, like in those openings and whatnot or workshops. And it's like, I don't ever remember that ego thing ever being like an issue. Yeah, it wasn't. And it's funny that the one time that I can think of didn't involve our team. I was in Kansas city doing an opening and I was tasked with creating a room and it was more like, um, it's kind of based off a pantry, but it was for bedding. It was like when we started doing large bedding installations where you could kind of help yourself. And, um, I was building this, was kind of wrapping the room in shelves and I was cutting all these shelves. And I remember the, one of the carpenters, I don't know if he, I mean, he was obviously part of the construction team. I don't, but he was like all over me and hawkeyeing me working with the circular saw. And like, I had all my, you know, my benches set up and I was just like, stop it. (laughs) I can handle myself. I built furniture in college. Like I used to weld, like I can handle myself with some tools. Stop treating me like I should be like in the kitchen barefoot. That's, you know, that's what, I mean, that's one thing I think I'm most impressed about you and Sue was another one that you guys could handle straight up handle hand tool, like major tools. Like I learned how to use a circular saw and I learned how, I mean, drill iron, I mean, drill's easy, but I mean, like, yeah, it is impressive. Like the, the fact that like, just a girl can come in like just that, like start <laughs> sawing shit and like put it and, and, and have the knowledge of building things. I mean, that's yeah. that, I mean, that's like the, in talking to Matt beer, who's, you know, the one that's out of terrain, he's like, you know, I, if I didn't know how to do it, Anthro gave you the room to learn it. It was like, all right, like here's a new tool. It's like, all right, I'm going to figure it out. And, yeah. and, and it's, but th- for the, the female team members that could do that, that could wield a saw were like, seriously, my heroes. <laughs> so I can totally yeah. understand like a guy standing, <laughs> cause that would be my husband. Like, um, are you sure you know what you're doing? I'm like, no, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> but you knew. <laughs> so what was your uh, favorite part of, you know, what you, Whichever job, whether in a store or as a DVM. 
I mean, I think it's always been the people. And when I think back about what I loved about anthro, it's still the thing that it, it kind of carries me still. It's, you know, people are, sometimes they can be challenging, but more often than not, they'll, they'll exceed your expectations. And I think being first and foremost, like becoming a leader who's able to connect with their team and for different people, that means different things. So the challenge of breaking through with someone and then getting them to trust you, because to your point earlier, some of this is going to be subjective, but helping them understand that your feedback is there for their support and that all you're trying to do is help them find the best solution within the plans that they've created. So it was like fostering their ideas mm. and fostering their creative process. Um, and, you know, it was different for every single person and it was also different for every season. I mean, every, you know, the concepts changed, the challenges changed, um, the business certainly evolved. And I think for me, it's just, it, I feel like the, the biggest thing that I would take away is just, you have to be able to work as a team, no matter who, what your role is. And as, you know, as a district visual manager, going in and being able to be someone who could look at something and see it with really fresh perspective, but then also get my hands dirty, you know, like it's, it's that like balance of I'm going to help guide you, but I'm also going to show you. Um, but I'm not going to yeah. always do it for you. That's <laughs> because, a really good manager. Yeah. So. And that's rare. I mean, because I, I think that what I think the general public doesn't realize that when, um, each season, when these concepts roll out, you get a packet and it has the inspiration who it was taken. And my favorite still to this day is Odile, um, the little French lady that made all the quiltings in her room that we had to create. So you, you get a packet, you get um, photos of what the inspiration is from the texture to the wall to how layered it is. And then you get the list of items that are mandatory to be in this concept. And then you have the ability and you know you can create it from there with that basis of what the concept looks like that's what you and your team do and i i, I know a lot of that's a, for the anthro people we all know that but i think for the people that are listening says like i don't think people realize like you know how it rolls out and how when you walk into all these stores like you see the concept like you you could tell that's the same concept but each store has their own creative look at it and the display that they do and you know how they get there in that process is like that's the part that and to have a, a dvm that managers and and nurtures and mentors all at the same time and that's talk about a fine line to run because you know it, it's you know you're dealing with a lot of people right yeah and i think you know i think you the challenge probably the biggest challenge there is that you know a lot of the real, there was so much talent that came from a lot of different places, but there with the display coordinators, so many of them came from art school and, and like, you yeah. know, really like incredible, uh, incredible educational path in terms of art. Um, and I thought, and I think what was really interesting about them is that they were incredibly capable artists. Um, you know, some with just this really crazy fine art talent and it was, how do you take somebody who's got this very specific talent, but apply it in a, in a space that it was never really intended to be used in mm -hmm. and helping them kind of get past, there's nothing wrong with 
art schooliness, if you will, but getting past that to be like, we're actually running a business. <laughs> this yeah. is, you know, yes, it's beautiful. Yes, this is super creative and there's tons of freedom. But at the end of the day, we have to deliver a space that is a shopping space and that is a functional space. It can't, it can't be so out there that no one gets it and that it's not accessible um, or that it takes, you know, instead of six weeks to make, it takes six months <laughs> and three times the budget. You know, there's all those things that you have to take into account. <laughs> and it's going to be um, gone in six months anyway. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't get too close to it. <laughs> yeah. Or some child's going to take a running leap at it and, oh my God. and yank it out of the ceiling. The children um, platforms. <laughs> <laughs> or, or potentially adults eating fake, like fake food out of bowls. Like I remember being in Beverly Hills. And we had some sort of baking contest. And I, I cannot tell you how many adults I saw walk over and like try to eat the display. And I'm like, that's really, I mean, especially now in COVID times, I think back and it's like, that was really gross. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So one of the showrooms I work for is Stephen Young and we have the Glitterville showroom. And Stephen from Glitterville is the guy who basically did all the amazing glittery super detailed displays for Martha Stewart. So now he comes in and when he sets the showroom, like he, he does these fake cakes that are like seriously look like they're real, like the fond fondant and the, the uh, glittering. And the, I mean, and I watch adults like buyers, buyers <laughs> who have stores walk up and stick their hand in, Cause it's real frosting, but it's like, you know, it's, it's also got like, paste or something in it so it hardens and it still has that fluff of a cake right oh my god adults that are buyers that have stores stick their fingers in it and I'm always standing there like wow like and and you know <laughs> if, it ha- if oh, a week later it's hard enough where you can't de- do anything but I mean I've watched it like second day it's all okay <laughs> so right getting, I guess we're you know, turning it around or we're making a new cake <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um, for the people that don't know, which most people don't, please explain. And this wasn't on your question, so I'm throwing it at you, but please explain dis- what the difference between a display coordinator and a merchandise manager, if they're still called merchandise managers. Yeah. I, do, I don't know. I know they did change their structure, but um, I, I think there's still a version of that. So the, the display coordinator was basically reported to the visual manager, right? So the visual manager was, was the person who was, whose head was on the block for everything that you saw in the store um, from a merchandising and display perspective. Um, So the merchandising manager was in partnership with the store manager and they were in charge of the business of the, the visual piece of the store. So, you know, what you mentioned earlier in terms of, like managing uh, and watching the, the numbers. Like the visual manager was the one who should be really on top of understanding what's selling, what's not selling, how to make sure that um, they're maintaining the presentation to drive sales, right? And then the vis- the display coordinator was the one who was essentially an in-house artist is kind of the best way to describe it. So when they got concepts and they you know, once there was some products to put out on the floor, there was always a display element, whether it be some sort of large scale installation, maybe that hung over a platform that had mannequins on it right when you walk in the store. I think a lot of retail still does that. Or if it's the displays that live above shelves and walls, um, the display coordinator is the person who makes that. Um, Because 
I, I mean, I think it's, it's a little bit different now, but I mean, back in the day, we would not, we would get nothing. <laughs> we would get, you know, you'd get all these inspirational pictures and they'd maybe show you a store opening with what they did to interpret um, some sort of a display display for a certain concept. But then you'd have to look at that and say, okay, well, do we want to replicate that here? If so, how do we do that so it works in our space? Or if we want to do something slightly different, what is that? What materials are we going to use? How do we test those materials? So the display coordinator is really the, the artist behind all of the display. And they, they didn't really do much in terms of like moving product around. They really focused on how to tell the story within the concept through the display. So, and that's why they were, you know, you, we get, going to the art schools and doing recruiting was great. And we even had interns from some schools um, because you want to have someone that has that fabrication experience um, and the ability to actually craft something yeah. that's pretty. Um, and, you know, it's, it to have some sort of material know-how or the ability to build or paint or what have you. So, I mean, you name it, dyeing, any, any of those yeah. processes that would help manipulate material to be something different and more pretty. So. I, I always put it as, um, as a merchandiser, uh, my job was to make sure it was wrapped up and done by the end of the week, meaning the whole overall concept where the display coordinator, it was so much smaller and as far as like slow detail, like it wasn't yeah. something like hurry up, let's wrap it up. They had a timeline as well, but you know, my ADD kicks in so hard that I don't think I could do what the display coordinators do. And that's what's, I mean, it's like the, for people that don't know, like the signage you see everything from, you know, a spoon that's been turned into a sign for the latte bowls or, you know, the uppers of like the, or the, the one display I still can't get over is like the million straw window that they did created like ice caves out of plastic straws. I mean, uh -huh. that, and that, that, attention to detail and how long it takes to get that I think are only something or very few but fine art people have because they have the patience to see that project through till it's right and I, I, yeah. I would guess that's somewhat of a hard line to follow because they probably get pretty like dialed into it and you're like <laughs> yeah a hundred percent I mean I think that you know and I felt for them because you know, there's so much, you have to be very detail oriented and you have to be careful, but you also, you also have to kind of crank it out. And, yeah. you know, and I think there were several of them that, you know, they're, they tended, a lot of them tended to be more introverted, which is, that's not a judgment. I mean, they were oh, that's, yeah. wonderful people and incredibly creative and productive, but for them to have to explain and perhaps delegate part of their process because there were certain ones, especially at holiday where the displays were so big, it would take a month to, to just get the materials ready to be put into some form of whatever form. I mean, when, when I think Anthra still does this today, they do like these large scale animals. Um, you know, like I think it, there was like a llama one year, there were like large animals. Well, just to dye whatever material we were doing. And a lot of times what we would do is we would, I don't know, for instance, buy a roll, a huge roll of fabric and we'd rip it to shreds and then dye it 
in tiny little squares, you know, and like you'd have an entire conference room full of fold down or breakdown tables with tiny little squares of different dyed fabric. But that would take weeks. And then, and then when you get all your materials prepped, you'd then have to construct whatever it was you were constructing or in a window, in the case of a window, you'd have a week's worth of install, um, sweating your ass off in the, in the, in the windows while people watched. That, um, that well, I remember that, like, uh, I mean, New York's windows are always the ones that blow my mind because it's like, it seems like, you know, the Grove out here, but New York, the J is it JFK? Oh my God. Like yeah. still to this day, when I'll go to the city, like it's been a couple of years, obviously now, but like still that is one of my stops because it's just like, I can't, and all the only thing outside of like seeing and being so wowed by it is how many hours did that take yeah. <laughs> immediately where my head goes? <laughs> Hundreds. Hundreds. I mean, the yeah, the type of pipeline, creative pipeline that would happen for holiday was so insane. And I, I will say, you know, I think planning, well, I think one of the big things that I learned from working at Anthro is planning is such an important part of everything. And, you know, you plan the big picture and then every day is a different, you know, every day is a small version of that plan. And you replan because if you get ahead or get behind, you have to adjust and you know, I think that the importance of taking the time to plan and really think things through and, you know, look at how they affect, you know, how it's a cause and effect. If you do one thing, it does, it creates this, that has, that really changed the way like I operate in the world because when I first started, I didn't really understand that. And I definitely struggled in the first year because, you know, you, you know how it is like you go in and you just kind of want to throw your shit down and get in. But yeah. if you don't have, if it's not part of a bigger plan, you can create a real mess very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I it's, and that tr truly like that planning is still, it's weird. I still, I know you can do everything on the computer and like everything's on a list, but I still am hands on lists like that to me. Is, and that's mm -hmm. from there. I mean, it's like, start your list, yeah. lock things off the list, new list, push whatever to the next day or what. I mean, it's. It's and those are the, those are some of the tools I was saying. It's like as far as what I feel like Anthro taught me in in you know that it's somewhat of a sink or swim atmosphere. I mean, you you have to be talented and you have to you know know your know your shit in order to get that job. But yeah. once you're in it, there's because there's so much freedom and there's also so much expectation that it it's right. it's a weird it's a weird thing. Like you really have to be on yourself and create your own line, your own uh, list and your own rules and your own, like how you're going to get this done because yeah. you can do whatever you want for the most part. And it's like, I think that that's almost overwhelming when it comes to like, what, what, what do you want to do? How are you going to get it right. done? Yeah. hundred percent. And I'm, I'm with you with making lists. I mean, and still it, it actually is, like from a neuroscience standpoint, the act of writing it down versus typing it, you actually locks in your brain more. So like it's, it's, it is actually a better practice. <laughs> so I do it and people look at me like I'm an insane <laughs> person. Like, don't you know, you can do that on your phone. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. Not the same. I mean, I do the same thing with my calendar too. I mean, I have one that I use on my phone, but honestly, like I paper and pen, like the list, the, like, so I can mm -hmm. see it. It's like, I just, I mean, I think that's just an ADD thing for me, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> not. Um, so 
I'm going to jump to what you're doing now, and then we're going to jump back to Anthro. So yeah. from what you were doing in Anthro, what are you doing now? And how much of what you did for Anthro plays into what you're doing now? Yeah. Well, what I've been doing for the last several years is I've been consulting. So I've been consulting with um, within the marketing world and, um, you know, marketing marketing can span from a, in, into a lot of different ways. I mean, it, that in itself is a whole nother topic. But um, one thing that I've been doing is consulting on um, brand advocacy and training. And I think what's interesting there is, you know, you're, you're talking about having a team of people that represent whatever brand, you know, could any brand you can insert. And it's how do you find A, the right talent, um, B, get them to be informed, whether it's, you know, a team of a marketing team that's going to, you know, sell product on a, on some random shop floor, or, you know, even do a sampling and like in a grocery store, or you're a retail staff that just works for Anthra, for instance, you know, you have to find a way to keep people motivated and you have to find, you have to tap into their sense of team. And so what I've been doing is really focusing on, you know, how to, how do you develop a team? How do you put systems in place that make that team, you know, ongoing and for the most part unsupervised? Um, how do you make sure that you create a culture that allows them to feel like they're part of something really special, how, that we value their unique contributions and that they there's a level of trust that they go in and they do what they're supposed to do. And, you know, somebody's not going to be hawkeyeing them and making sure that, you know, because it's physically not possible. If you have a team of 500 people out in different stores all over the U.S., you can't possibly send someone to check on them. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that and, you know, it's really just been, um, it's been an interesting journey because it's not super creative in, in terms of like, I don't merchandise, I, it's all people, but I also feel like the same thing that made me love working with creatives and tapping into what made them feel supported and what, you know, being able to, being a good mentor with them, I've transferred those into this, um, into this space and I've really loved it. I mean, I'm, right now I'm in a little bit of a transition period. Um, so, you know, I'm not really 100% sure what's next, but, the, you know, the benefit of having worked for so long is I've, you know, I can, I can take a little breather and I've never not, I've never not had like craziness of work. So I'm enjoying a little bit of, a little bit of a slower time. Um, and I don't know, I don't 100% know what's next. Um, I, I like this line of work and I, I like the freedom of consulting because it allows me to have a, just a, a level of perspective that isn't, I don't know, I think I feel like I have more freedom there. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think I'll ever not work with people. Um, as challenging as we all can be with each other, we make each other so much better. There's so much more that we have in common than we don't, than what makes us different from each other. But the differences also make us really make it really fun and exciting. And I'm a, I'm a naturally very curious person. So working with all sorts of different types of people from different cultures really satisfies. <laughs> it's really satisfying because I learned so much. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. So I, I think, so. cause I, and I think this is the same company when you reached out to me, God, it was like five years ago when the Kylie brand was doing the pop-up store in Thousand yeah. Oaks. So yeah. tell me a little bit about that. Cause that'll give people a good idea. If you're allowed to talk about it, 
that'll give people a good idea of like what, when you say you're coordinating groups of people and, mm-hmm. you know, as far as marketing. Yeah, I, that I, I, I was just helping out um, with helping find some talent. Um, but that was interesting because they did a pop-up um, for when she launched her brand. And I, yeah, I can't, I don't actually know that much about it. And I, I, there's not that much I can say, and I'm not really sure how much I can say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that was though a really good example of creating an environment and like where, where the marketing side kind of touches into the retail side and it's, you're creating an experience for the consumer, um, but you have to have people that are truly engaging. I mean, I think we've all been there, right? We've all been somewhere where you go somewhere and the, the people, wherever you are, let's just say it's a store, are just not friendly. They're not engaging. They're not helpful. Um, and what our goal always is, is to make sure that we have the type of people that went, no matter what's happening, they're just super helpful. Um, so, I mean, I think that, I think a lot of it boiled down to finding, like finding a way to really get good talent. So obviously the recruitment side, which is always going to be a challenge, but then also how like people change, right? So you have to keep them engaged and keep them feeling like their contribution means something in order to keep people working well. Because if you just kind of for any company, I think that's yeah. Important. But oddly, totally. it's, it's it, I don't think that that's always taken into perspective. I think that's why I've, I've always thought you're such a good manager. Is like you 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 do care about the the employee and the development and their um, their well being and their yeah. happiness, which I think. I, I don't think a lot of people, and I've, I've said this all the time, like when I work with people is that the more you put into your employees and the more that you give them an attaboy or you give them boundaries or whatever it is, I think that the development of an employee is only going to give you more versus the people that just like they're on them 24 seven. It's like, you know, I don't think people realize a lot of people realize what that does to anybody in any working situation as far as wanting to do more, you know, over and above what their job is because they love it there and because they've been given, you know, they've been given the room to grow and, you know, as opposed to like keeping them in tiny boxes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, I think a lot of times when you're working in either, you know, people working in stores or people maybe that work for, um, as brand ambassadors or, you know, for, for activations, it's not necessarily like they haven't reached their dream job. Most likely they're, they're making their way in the beginning of their career, or they're just kind of filling in part-time, like just making a little extra side hustle. Um, and I, but I still think that just because maybe they're not planning on making a career out of that type of work doesn't mean that they still don't want to feel valued and that you still can't teach them something. And I don't know. I mean, I think, I I think about anthro and how I knew that some of those girls and boys, like I knew that some of them would move on. Like, it's not as if I thought they're okay, they're going to be here forever. But I also feel like that's part of, I don't know. I feel like that's just part of being, being, being part of something greater is just helping people realize their own potential. And like when they leave the nest, 
then they go to a, they're moving to something that is something maybe they thought they couldn't do before. And mm-hmm. there's nothing better than that feeling. I mean, I I was talking to somebody earlier, and you know, I still have I'm still connected. You know, obviously we're still connected, but like some folks, like when I worked at the Gap in the '90s, like I'm still friendly with some of those people because of those the relationships that we forged. Um, and there's plenty of people that I'm not still in contact with, but the ones where I think we really helped each other. And, and, you know, I think it's a give and a take, right? Like Mm. you get a lot from the people that you mentor and it's not just about giving to them. It's like, you learn, you always learn something. So I, yeah, I think, you know, I think it, it, it's funny. I, I have been shopping now that the world's opening a little bit back up and, one thing that's really bummed me out is I feel like I have gone into stores and I ask questions in the stores and staff can't actually give me an answer. They like immediately go to the website and I'm like, okay, I could have looked, I probably already know that, or I could have looked that up myself. Like the in-store environment, I feel like has this huge gap between how do you make, how do you make the store environment or the store experience be more than just a replication of the same information you could have looked at on your own. Like there's, and, and I, that comes from empowering people and inspiring Mm -hmm. them and and creating an environment where people want to provide a meaningful experience for whomever they are discussing, having a discussion with. And, you know, if a sale comes great, if it doesn't, they'll probably still come back for a future sale. Like, so, um, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I think that, that I, st- I hope that, you know, what I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure what my next step is going to be, but that's still something that I feel like I can, I, I've, I've not run out this course because it's something that I'm really passionate about and training has become like such a, a fun adventure because I, I, you know, a lot of places don't train I don't. I mean, and it's crazy because uh, it doesn't I- take that much. <laughs> no, and I, I right now I'm, I'm sitting here wishing I could drag you to one of my accounts. Like I, I have an account and I adore them, but they've no one's been in retail before, and we, it, it, it's an odd time right now. And it's like, I, I just, I, I want so bad to have somebody come in like you that nurtures them and gets everybody all going in the same direction. Um, because it's, you know, when you don't have that, I'm, I'm living it right now. When you don't have it, it's like, you can really see the fraying of the edges. And, you know, it's, I feel like, I feel like that's like your calling like that. I feel like that's, you know, should be, I mean, your own consulting firm, as far as going in and training management and training, training employees and, you know, how, how to develop a sales team where they're, you know, they're performing and they're hitting goals and, you know, the understanding of how to get to that point. It's, I mean, I feel like that's your calling. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, I, yeah, I mean, we can, we can definitely talk later if you want to (laughs) talk about the other thing. I mean, yeah, I, I, and I am, you know, I'm, I think that is something that I'm going to continue to pursue because it, it is, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why, I don't know what it was, Sometimes I have moments where I'm like, what happened to me that this is where I live? You know, like what, what, it's, what, it, what was it in my life that drew, drew me to this? But it is such a, it is such a pull. It's, it's like this natural thing. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it, it's now, I mean, I feel like you, 
started it with anthro and you cultivated it and you know now it's it's embedded in you i mean now it's just part of your dna and and i i think that seeing you know what you love i for me it's hard i the employee part of it it's like i'm so used to being by myself and just go in and do my own thing it's like now i'm realizing like i need to on my own is like pull back and start to bring the employees in on the conversation and work with them but you know, that's even for me, it's been so hard to, to step back and think, okay, you used to do this. Like, you know, I've just been on my own for so long. And it's like, you know, you just get into this thing and you don't talk to anybody. And you're just like, literally, like, I have to be somewhere the next day. Um, I've got to get this up. I've got to wrap it up. And then it's like, got to get on the freeway. And, I, you know, it, last week is when, you know, I started pulling the employees back in. It's like, this is what we're going to do for this. This is the fixture that I'm having built for that. Like, yeah. And I, I could see the difference of just ha- like their reaction of like, oh, that's great. Like we know it's coming and just including them. And, and yeah. you know, that's something that, you know, for me, like I've completely forgotten about, but I think for you, like that's what you've always done. And that's, you know, I think that, that having a you in any company like that or training their managers to be that way of developing versus managing. I think that's. Yeah. And I I think it's going to be more needed than ever because the more that we rely on our devices and we can compensate, you know, people shy away from having an actual discussion. It's easier done in an email. And I can understand, I can totally appreciate that, you know, that you've seen those memes where like, I hate it when it could have been an email, but it was a conference call. I, I completely understand that. But I also think that like, we've also become very lazy in how we communicate. I mean, we all have seen like how, you know, on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter, it's just like, there's no real accountability to what people say in print or in digital print. And and when you have to talk to somebody, the dynamic is just so different. And I, I don't know, I, I, I haven't given up on that, but I do feel like when you think about what motivates people, people always want to feel valued. And there's, I just don't see how people can feel valued if they don't feel like somebody's listening to them. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, the, the, also the part of like the texting and only emailing, you lose the inflection in people's voices. And I think yeah. that it's really easy to take something wrong. And all of a sudden you're like, the fuck, like what, where that? And totally. just, just because they, di- you know, you can't hear their voice and they left a period off it or a comma or whatever. And it's like, right. you know, it, that human con and that's you know for re- for what I always say is first customer say customer service is that yeah. we you know Fred Siegel was my mentor and Fred back in the day was like we wrote a thank you card for everything that we sold socks to whatever yeah. I still believe in that and I still yeah. got that personal pick at the phone like hey we just got this in for you you know blah blah blah. I get texts from the lady at Macy's and it's like, don't text me. I, I mean, it's very nice that she's reaching out, but the texting thing with business is like, I, I mean, I have reps that text me like, and I think it's so odd. Like just pick up the phone. I know we're all busy or I'm, but I'm, I can call you back. I just, it, everyone. Right. It, so you're right. It's like so lazy and so reliant on like, Oh, I can just throw this out, you know, and, and not have to actually get on the phone and, and talk. And, and half the time that it's, they don't even start with like, hi, how are you? It's just like, are you, are you coming to Vegas? Are you making an appointment? It's like, I'm good. How are you? 
<laughs> like, what? Right. Oh my God. Well, and if you're like me, your spell check likes to create words that you never use. And yeah. then you're walk. you know, you're busy and then you send it and you're like, oh, great. <laughs> I've never used that word. I don't even really know what that means, but somehow, somehow my phone thinks it's like part of my vocabulary. <laughs> my, my phone now thinks my husband's name is not Dave. It's Dace. Like, and now it just uses Dace all the time. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm going to go with it. Um, so I'm going to ask you, because we've gone through most of the stuff without even going through the questions, but because you're creative and because most of us that have had this job are very good, like, I want to know how you stay inspired and like, you know, back in the day at Anthro, it was like we had a mandatory once a month inspiration day where you went to a museum or you you bought magazines, you went through them. I still do that. And I'm always curious, like what um, other creative people's, where they find inspiration and how often do you do it? And like, what's your favorite mode? I mean, I still do a lot of that same stuff. I mean, magazines. Um, and I've, I've, I've actually recently started getting subscriptions to magazines again I, I went through a period where I was like it's so wasteful and now I'm like I no I need it I need to touch <laughs> it like yeah. I'll recycle them or whatever I need to do I'll offset it by planting a bunch of trees like I'll but um yeah so I mean and I so magazines Pinterest I still think Pinterest has kind of annoyed me lately it's a lot of ads um yeah. it, but there's still some stuff there it's such a um, hole, man. I can go down there and I'll sit next thing I know. I'm like, what the fuck? What am I looking for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and now, I mean, there's so much, I obviously like a Google, a good deep dive Google search, which can be as much of a black hole as Pinterest. Like I'll definitely follow some weird, just weird path down. Um, lots of good, sorry. images. <laughs> Mine, mine are like sequestered in the other room because they are like small dogs that bark nonstop. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Aww. She was sleeping. Sorry about that. Oh, no. um, but uh, yeah. And I mean, I, to be honest, I haven't been out to the museums that much. I mean, it's certainly not in the last year. I mean, I was making my way around, um, you know, but prior to that on occasion, I mean, I was, I, I've done a lot of traveling in the last several years. So there's a lot, there's a lot to see just in other places, but I think, I think I, and I still go, I still make my way, even if I'm not always shopping, but like still was going, I still go to Fred Siegel. I still go to, um, American rag. I mean, unfortunately Barney's is gone, but like some of those places where I felt like there was some, someone really thinking in how the store looked, um, and I'll still try to go to the newer places. I mean, it's really changed a lot since I w- needed to do it for Anthro. Um, but st- but there's nothing better than getting out and seeing it for yourself. Um, even like for this isn't it's not particularly answering your question, but we're we're going to embark on doing some work in our house, um, and I needed to go look at tile. And you can look at mo- a lot of stuff online, but I was like, I just can't. I have to go touch it. I have to see it in different lights. I have to see them next to each other. And I need to just, I need to be immersed in it to really understand what I think I'm going to like. And mm-hmm. I'm fairly decisive from a design design standpoint. Like I know what I like. I know what I just don't like, but it's still that I just want to touch it, feel it, smell it, you know, whatever, yeah. you, take, take in as much of it as I can. Um, 
Yeah. So, and I, I think just, I don't know, I feel like so much of it is just that general state of being curious. Like, and you never know when it's going to come. You see some weird thing. And then I just make it, I, I constantly text myself like a crazy person because I'll see something. Hmm. And then I, I know I'll forget if I don't, but I yeah. text myself. So I'm always like, feel like I'm always researching. My husband can tell he's always like, Oh boy, here it comes. Cause as soon as he can see that look on my face and he's like, what are you researching now? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't think that'll ever stop. I mean, and I still have, I mean, I'm sure you do too. Piles and piles of the of beautiful books from, oh, you know, from God. the anthro days. And I still get those out and they're, you know, and, and it's been a while. So now they're kind of fresh again. It's um, funny. I have like, I mean, I, I have so many design books and it's funny. Yeah. Like I, I lean on magazines more and it's, you know, in the, in the beginning of, not the beginning, like the middle of COVID, like we were still in full shutdown, Na- magazine stores, bookstores are still allowed to be open. Um, and I still vividly remember going because the books like Barnes and Noble, we couldn't shop in the magazine place. that's around the corner from my place was closed. And there was one open in Malibu. And it's like, it's a good one. It's big. It's like three stalls long. And I'm like, I'm driving to fucking Malibu. I, I need magazines. And I remember getting there and like, real, like it was a very real reality all of a sudden because magazines on a whole are, you know, they're, they're not going to be around forever because digital right. replaced it. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, like there's like no new magazines are putting out. Like they hadn't figured out, like it was, it was before everyone started shooting stuff in their own house or the the artists themselves were shooting themselves or someone. And all all of a sudden I was like a complete panic. Like, oh my God, like this is like literally like I'll go and buy like a stack of magazines like this. And it's like my favorite thing to do. And all of a sudden it was like, shit like this is quite possibly like not going to be around that long and it's like nice now that it's starting back up again but yeah I still remember like oh no yeah <laughs> this is going to be a problem oh, I know <laughs> I, and I think what's, what's cool with magazines too is I mean I, I think well now because my if I am looking and now I, I don't have I don't need it for like a work thing right it's just yeah. pure joy um but I used to I used to also force myself to look at magazines that I wouldn't normally gravitate. Like, so for instance, ones that I would normally gravitate to, you know, um, what is living, ex- living, et cetera, was a great one. Mm-hmm. British, um, British Vogue or like any of the, like the European fashion magazines and or decorating magazines. I mean, like El decor fine, but I felt like the, the, different take from and so anything from France or this like the German like yeah. they just have a different sensibility um but I also would like look at National Geographic and other random magazines I mean not so much like country living but sometimes because sometimes I don't know I've, I'm a firm believer like if, if you're only looking in the same place every time you're not going to find something new and it doesn't mean that the answer is going to be in there but it might be the big, it might be a point of departure that takes you down a road that leads you to the right place. So just looking at things that weren't necessarily like what I would, you know, they weren't like right on the nose. It was look, looking at some other weird ones, but that's the beauty of like, when, you know, Barnes and Noble, you go sit, you know, they always have the benches and you could just kind of troll through yeah. a lot of different ones and just kind of pick. 
I mean, I always look at them back to front, <laughs> never look at them. It's always a, you know, and it's just kind of, you kind of get a sense of what's in there. And then if there's some interesting things, then I would be doing more deep dive. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I hate to say it. I do use the internet more than I probably should just because I feel like it's, well, it's easy. Well, it's easy. <laughs> it's yeah. easy. And, it, and, it's, and you can do it whenever. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I, I still do that, but I'm like, you were saying, like, I need to feel it. I need to be able to tear yeah. it. I mean, I'm the same way with now with, cause I buy for Burt's pharmacy. So it's like, we've, it's a five-star location and I very much from anthro, I buy in concept. So, you know, you're at the show, you'll start seeing something that repeats itself and then you'll like start to cherry pick it. But I can't, like everybody's now PDF catalogs and I'm like, do you not have like, I, and I know it's not eco, like, but I have to have that and be able to tear it out and put it out. And so I can see what it looks like all together. I'm like such a, is it tactile person? Yep. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's, so the internet, I can do it for a little bit, but it's like, it's weird. And I, my coffee table books, I can't tear out of them. So it's like, (laughs) all right. I'm like all these like, Simon Dune's <laughs> book was, I don't know if you have Simon Dune. Oh, Dune's. yeah. Mm-hmm. His coffee table book for all of his windows is brilliant. And it must have a million tabs in it. But it's like <laughs> the thought of like, you know, because tearing it out, posting it up somewhere is like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish, you know, and now I wish, I mean, I, I've done it now, I think three times where, I mean, I've, I had fashion and design magazines like from high school. Like where, and I've purged them, but I wish I would have kept them because I mean, back then, my God, it was like, you know, Cindy Crawford and all those girls as, as like teenagers and like, and there was just, I wish I would have, but I mean, after a while, I mean, I think I could fill, if I'd kept all those, I'd probably be able to more than fill my garage with just magazines. And that doesn't really make what an insane (laughs) archive though. I mean, like what a cool archive. It's like totally reminds me of John. Do you remember John Myers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do you know he has that line, uh, Warbly Meyer, Meyer, I think? Him and his wife have a line, and he's still all about like that retro 60s, 70s vibe. I mean, his Instagram's so good, but he has like the archives like that, like, you know, like literally a library of magazines, which my mom used to have Bon Appetit for years. Like, I think like she had 20 years of Bon Appetit's. And that's a lot. I mean, like it's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, but it, it, to think of like, you know, if, if you're going back that far, it's like, I wish, oh. I wish I still have mine, but I, I have to purge because my house is so small. <laughs> yeah. Ditto. Ditto. Well, and bone of, I mean, cooking magazines are also so really inspirational. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, cause there's always a story about somebody's house or what ha- I mean, just any of it. I mean, yeah. food, food in and of itself is a passion of mine. So I'm, I'm fine getting Huh? Even the styling on a lot of the food publications is so good. Like just yeah. the textures and everything. I mean, it's so, it's so yummy. I guess that's yeah. a good. So I'm going to la- ask you your last question okay. is who now, well, no, two more questions. The last one will be the, the crazy one. So what, what, who are your favorite retailers? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. Um, and why? Okay. I mean, I still love American Rag. Um, I think, you know, they, I mean, 
I'm going to, I'm going to, this is all kind of giving everybody a, a parenthesis with COVID because that's kind of rocked everybody. All the stores are kind of light. Um, but I still think they, they buy really beautiful things. They still have, I mean, I love that they still have maintained their vintage section. That's what um, they do. They still do the mix of vintage and new. Yep. And they've in the one in La Brea, which is the one we go to, um, you know, they've, they have that whole denim side. They, it's like the two storefronts and the the side with the denim. I mean, they always have some sort of, you know, weird up and coming denim, lots of it's Japanese denim. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and the other thing is I also like the people there are generally really great. Like the, there's a couple of people in the, on staff that have been there for a long time that we're like friendly with because we were, we're we go in there a lot of times just to kind of poke around and, and, you know, they have the home side too, yeah. the Maison Midi and they, they still have beautiful things there. So I don't know, American rag is, it's, I, it's probably a little bit of, I just feel like they inspired me so much for so long that it's, it's just like a longstanding relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Fred Siegel, same way. Um, I still go, we still go into Fred Siegel in West Hollywood. Um, have you been and, in the new ones now? Like the ones that are like, like um, franchised? One on, well, I've been to the one on Sunset. Do I don't know if that's. Like, yeah, the Sunset's one of the, Sunset's one of the franchise, like the ones at LAX, the one they, yeah. open, the, the ones in Japan, those are all, do they, yeah. do they feel like the West Hollywood one? Yeah. The one in Japan is awesome. Um, I bet. We, Japanese. Yeah beautiful location. Um, don't ask me exactly where it is. Um, it's been a few years, but it, the, the actual physical space of the store, um, it's a lot like West Hollywood. It's like small little buildings kind of cobbled together. Um, it's, it's super cool. Um, and the one on sunset is it's, it's good. It's just, it, it feels, I don't know. It doesn't feel quite as special, but I, I still think it's, I mean, I still think it's above Above they, a lot. they still did a great job. I mean, it's I, yeah. I, I, I still have yeah. not been to it, but looking at it from afar, it's always like, does it feel the same? Does it not? Does it, you know, because I, I really haven't <clears throat> been, I, West Hollywood was the last one. And that was before they had to take the Fred Siegel sign down. And, you know, it's not long, any longer lo- legally a Fred Siegel store. Oh, no. um, so I always wonder, and it's like, you know, Ron Robinson and Ron Herman are just fucking brilliant since they were there i wonder like you know i i have to wonder like who they brought in to do those because it's none of the old fred siegel team oh yeah yeah i mean it's definitely changed it's not i mean i think it definitely i mean i COVID hasn't helped i mean it, it i think it's it it doesn't make me feel the same as it did back then but again i'm like my relationship with it has changed just mm-hmm. because i'm i'm now i'm just kind of bopping around yeah um you know I'm trying to think of where else I mean there's some boutiques I mean most of the time I'm now going into boutiques like there's a place there's a couple places in Silver Lake and Atwater Village that I love there's a shop called Lake um and she has been in the Silver Lake area I mean I would say now for about 15 years she used to be on Rowena and now she's on Silver Lake Boulevard but she just buys beautifully Mm. um and her this you know, that there's not like display in there, but the store always looks really lovely. It's super curated and the staff is always great. She, if, if the owner is there, unfortunately, I don't know her name, um, but she, I recognize her because she's been there forever. Um, but just 
beautiful experience. And then there's another one that I love in Atwater Village called Individual Medley. And it's it's combination a little bit more home in that store. They also have a stronger men's section. Um, but they just they they buy really neat stuff. And it's I I tend to buy a lot of gifts there, not necessarily like clothing for myself. Um, but they're just lovely. And I I I follow them on Instagram and I haven't made it over there there yet, but they opened up a little like grocery and like wine shop. It's so good. I I mean, the pictures look adorable. Um, The other place, then this is, this is a funny one because it's, it has nothing to do with like clothing and home. The one place that I truly love. And we, we recently, well, about a year and a half ago, we moved to the Hills from Echo Park. So we're now we're off cold water and um, there's a place called cookbook. And it's like the cutest, I mean, it's, it's like the size of my living room. It's tiny, this adorable little grocery store that's, and it's all locally grown organic. They have like their own little fishermen. I mean, they work with a fisherman who does line caught fresh fish. All of their meat is, is, you know, like pasture raised, no antibiotics and all that. But it's, I think, I mean, I'm sure it's probably the same now, but it like, they had a thing where like it had to have been killed within a certain like 24 hours in order to like, it was all so fresh, but it was it's this tiny little grocery store. And now they have another one in Highland Park, but it was, it, the reason why I loved it is like, it was just that all encompassing experience. You walked in and it smells good. Everything in there is like really beautiful and vibrant. And you, and you know, they're like, they care about, what they're selling you. They care about who they're doing business with. They had a tiny little prepared food counter and it wasn't like crazy stuff. You know, it was like you could get a baguette with uh, prosciutto and butter, which my husband loves. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, so, but it was, it's this experience and the folks that work in there, you know, you can ask them questions and they're not going to like try to just sell you something. It's not, you know, it's, it's more expensive than going to Trader Joe's by far but it's totally worth the experience. Um, So it's places like those. I mean, I think I'm I'm excited because I feel like I've seen boutiques kind of come back. I mean, I feel like 10 years ago, boutiques were like dropping off like flies and slowly but surely, La Brea's had such a beautiful resurgence. Yeah, I think because the malls, I mean, I think everybody's like so over big box retail. You know, I mean, not all big box, but for the most part, like the Macy's, the, you know, go to a mall and walk the, it's the, and I've got to go to that area that you're talking about. Cause it's like, I love that area. And they're always like the hipster and they're always so much more forward. And the curating is so well done. I just I, parking. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, and I, and I'm like, because I'm impatient it's like driving in the neighborhoods and it's like, everyone's like, you need to go. Cause I, I I'm having a hard time now finding stores that I'm super inspired by. Like it used to be urban outfitters and now they've kind of, you know, it's all become a little bit more, homogenized I guess yeah you know it's not uh and so you know trying to find those retailers that's why that's one of my questions for everybody but always for some reason and I don't know if it's because now I work with Bristol Farms but small grocery stores like specialty grocers and and like I posted one of my Instagram the other day like um like South American open markets 
I don't know why. I think it's like the texture of the baskets and the old hanging scales and just the layers and how they merchandise food. I don't know why I find yeah. that so. And I think it's because, you know, we work with apparel and gifts and it's like, I see every line under the sun every day, but you go in there and it's like half the lines I don't know about. And it's like, they all look so special. And you talk to the people that work there and they're so passionate about and it, because it's departmentalized, like the grocers, you know, the, the, um, the fishmonger is all about the fish and the meat guys. And like, all of them are so passionate and it's, 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 um, it has, what's the word it's, it, it's hard not to get caught up in their passion. It's contagious. Yeah, that's totally or Jesus. <laughs> yes, totally. I agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's a couple others. Um, like, there's a really cool store. My my husband loves it. It's called General Quarters, and it's on La Brea, right across from um, American Rag. Like, it's it's men's only, but it's it's just it's like the guys in there are awesome. The product's great. They make some of their own stuff, but then they carry a lot of kind of cool heritage brands. There's also a neat store um, called Trading Post on La Brea. It's, yeah. There's there's this magic little pod there now. Um, but that's like a hundred, a husband and wife team, these adorable French folks who like, they, they do all this. He's like a total denim head, but they do all this like super cozy, like very laid back gear. But that place is an experience because it's, it reminds me a lot of some of the places like in Tokyo, um, like capital in Tokyo is like, I mean, it's dreamy. I mean, the clothes are, a lot of them are just insane. Like David Sedaris are, has a, a brilliant, I believe it was just an article about when he and his sisters go to Capitol because I mean, some of the clothes are just insane, but it's yeah. like this whole thing. And you come out of there smelling like the store. I'm a big fan of, you know, burning incense. Like you got to have a whole ambiance. sound <laughs> Wait, say that again. Bite, sound and scent. Exactly. So I'm like totally down. If I come out smelling like a store that I love, <laughs> I'm super happy. Um, what, one last one, because I think you'll love it. Um, there's this, oh my God, I had somehow stumbled on them through whatever algorithm my phone has, but there's this husband and wife duo that have a, they're a jewelry line and it's, I, well, they, they have refurbished, like basically it's like a, like a gypsy wagon sort of thing. And they're up off Topanga on the weekends and they make all these, this beautiful jewelry. Like Isn't that um, a copper. Is it the guys, the, the, the couple that do the cop? We actually rock paradise carries <laughs> Jason went and found them somehow. And I'm like, what are these? They're, they make these like crystal trees with copper. And he's like this hippy dippy couple that live in their van. They just go place to place. <laughs> this, this, wagon it is so it's called alchemy road but i think it's a-l-k-e-m-i-e it's like spelled a little differently i can forward you the um, i'm gonna ask page. you to send me a list of all these because we're gonna link oh, yeah. them in the notes so because i know people are gonna want to see all these places. yeah i mean that's i mean it's and same thing for me i mean it's like such a great resource of like stores that i'm willing to bet half the people plus i've got a lot of people that follow along from different states that come in for the shows and they always do the circuit of stores so that'll be great yeah yeah totally yeah i mean i'm excited i think there's a lot of 
there's a ro- lot of really cool stuff happening. But what I like about it is it's not this like, you know, I don't feel like it's this like unattainable exclusive, like that can happen here, especially in LA where, yeah. you know, you got to know somebody got, it's like all of these places are, you don't have to be anybody to get in there. They're super cool. There's they, you know, things feel fresh all the time. Like it's just, it's easy. And it's, also really welcoming, which makes all the difference in the world. So yeah, I, I, okay. So their last question. Okay. Hit me. It's the one question that I'm asking everybody is your craziest anthropology story. Oh God. Well, (laughs) I definitely know exactly which one, which one that is. And I will preface it by saying it is not the time or one of the many times that somebody naked was like shaking it behind Glenn Sank while we were doing a a walkthrough. And I was trying not to like piss myself from like break out laughing um, while naked person was like shaking it in the window. Is that a promenade? Or was that a promenade? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think because they could see themselves, you know how like if it's bright outside and you're standing in front of a a window, you're looking at yourself. So it was like nudie dance party looking at themselves. But meanwhile, we're inside going, just don't turn around. Please just don't turn around. So everyone knows Glenn Sank was the president of Anthra who would come and do walkthroughs through your store. And it was like, it was like the biggest thing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, it was like, yeah, it was like the Royals coming to town and if you had a good visit with him, you like could go home and sleep and like, feel like you've like literally just won the world. Yeah. Gobsmack (laughs) was my favorite, my favorite word. Gobsmack. I just want to be gobsmacked. And that's still kind of what I aim for is the gobsmack. So your craziest story, not being the naked person. Okay. So this one was Santa Barbara and we had relocated the store. So we're like on Northern state street. um, And not that that I need to put too much context around there, but we were in, sorry. Yeah. Yes. We were in Northern state street. So in Santa Barbara, like where we were on state street, there, it was generally pretty chill. Like there was a kind of a section of state street, which is the main drag that, you know, they had a little bit of like, you could expect a little bit more excitement perhaps. Um, but we were there and we were doing a visit. We were doing a walkthrough. And this was when I was a district visual manager and my bosses were with me. So like we were doing like a visit. So like I was kind and of, my ass was a little bit on the line. And that is not a small group of people either. <laughs> Just preference how many people are in a visit. Yeah. So there were like six of us just kind of wandering around together, which, you know, in, in a small, in that store, it wasn't one of those stores where like the space was just wide open. It was like smaller rooms. So it was a decent group of us kind of meandering through the store. Um, and at some point my, my partner, Oh, now we have a dog toy (laughs) in the background. Sorry. She's very excited about this story, by the way. Um, but, uh, anyway, at some point, a couple people wandered off, like somebody got a call. And so it was just a few of us Well, we're standing towards the front of the store. And this guy kind of wanders in. Oh no, I'm sorry. A couple wanders in a young couple in Santa Barbara being kind of college town was not abnormal, like young couple just kind of walking in, but there was something about them. They were, they were kind of looking behind themselves. Like they were, so something was like up and we, so we were like, Hmm, okay, what's going on? So about, I don't know, 30 seconds later, this very large, like tall and kind of encumbering um, 
older, like older at the time. I mean, he's probably not much older than me now, but like, I would say in his like mid fifties, like kind of like a dad, right? Like comes in and is chasing them and is like, the couple. And, yeah. is chasing them. So, and at some point he like, we can tell, like we can see what's going on. So we kind of insert ourselves. We're like, sir, I'm sorry, you have to leave. Like, so we're, 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 and we're kind of trying to handle it really delicately. And it, at some point he flips over a table, like a, a table with product on it, not a home table, but like an apparel table. And we're like, okay, good Lord. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm always of kind of the, the mindset, like it's our store. We have to protect the customers, like, or I have to protect the team. Like I, I wasn't thinking for any second at one in the, when this started that it was going to go where it went because, you know, normally you just kind of get in somebody in somebody's way and you're like, you have to leave now. We're calling the police. You have to leave now. Like usually that solves it. That did not solve it. So what ended up happening is he starts kind of going after this couple. And so I just kind of can try to continue to be like, sir, you have got to stop. So then he focused his attention on me, but this is where it gets really crazy is I'm also wearing, this is at a time where I was like very invested in my like vintage style. So I was wearing some sort of like floor length vintage gunny sacks dress, but I also had on like some sort of crazy, like six inch wedge, like some sort of cool wedge sandal. So he then focuses attention on me and starts chasing me. And Kylie is with me too. So like in your mind, imagine being in a store and watching two women getting chased by some crazy man. And I'm in like, I'm like holding my dress, like high stepping, like trying not to fall, but also like being scared that he was going to grab my arm. I mean, I was significantly smaller than him. So we're, he, we are doing laps and like the, our, our regional manager was like on the phone with the cops, like standing there on her cell phone. And then my partner though, is like in the office has no idea this is going down. So this goes on for several minutes. The staff is like keeping the customers back. What is the customer's reaction? Well, it wasn't super busy. So they were like, the staff was just trying to keep them back, like towards the fitting room, like basically. And like, if we could, if there was ever a second to like catch our breath, like there wasn't once we started chasing, but prior to that, like while the, like he was still kind of focused on this couple, we were like, keep everybody back. Just like, make sure you guys just like, let's, let's just keep this here. Was he, was he saying anything to you or just chasing? No, no? just chasing, like chasing, but chasing like, like a bear, like a big, like crazy. Like it was very physical. And all I remember is like, I just kept thinking like, keep my arms tight because if I was like doing this, I was like so scared that he was going to like tear my arm back. So, but what's funny is like, so we did a couple laps and it's like absolute madness. And then he just kind of stopped and like stood kind of in the front door and then just kind of like wandered out into the street and I mean, at this point, we're kind of, we're just relieved because I'm like, okay, nobody got hurt. I mean, this was insane. But the funniest part was that my partner, Steve, like at this point, just kind of comes out of the office. It's like, hey, what's going on? And I was like, ah! So then he took off down this, because the guy was just kind of bumbling around. He, I don't know what was wrong with him. I mean, I feel bad because he, I think he obviously had something going on that was so not right. Um, <laughs> 
And so uh-huh. Steve ended up chasing him down the street and then the police got involved and they caught him. Cause I don't think the guy actually, to be fair, like, I don't think he really knew what he was doing. Not that that made it right. But like, I, I think the way he like wandered out of the store was like, okay, that's over. Um, and I never, I don't honestly, like, I think the cops came and I think they questioned the couple. Like they were like, do you know this person? Yada, yada, yada. But it was just madness. All I know is that basically that was the end of the visit. And I was like, if we don't go and have a drink right now, I don't know <laughs> what the hell I'm going to do, but I just got my ass chased in the store and I like lived to tell about it, but it was absolute madness. Did pro- I mean, Santa Barbara have a lot of crazy, like obviously everyone knows third street promenade has a lot of crazies. So like, did Santa Barbara have a lot of that? I mean, I know they have a, a, a pretty big homeless community there as well, but did, yeah. Did, are those the only two stores that have that? In, well, I'm guessing New York stores also have a bit of that. Do they or no? I don't know. I don't know. I've never actually like, I mean, I've worked at Rock Center for a couple of days, but I mean, I think Rock Center is probably the one that's most insulated. Like Soho probably had more ability to have like, interesting characters off the street. Santa Barbara did have a little bit of that. I mean, in, in, I, it was similar to the promenade. I mean, you just kind of get the sense that there was some, you know, some bad drugs get going around, but they weren't, it wasn't, it wasn't crazy. I mean, there was some, there was, for some reason, there's always nudity. It's always men. <laughs> really? I was thinking it was yeah. the women. Oh no, it's always men. Lots to shake around, oh. <laughs> but like, oh. <laughs> oh Lord, but yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, Santa Barbara definitely, there were, there were times where, you know, you just had to kind of keep your eyes open. I mean, I guess no different than being in LA. Like you just can't really, you can't get too comfortable if you're by yourself. But um, yeah, I mean, there were, there were some, I mean, for the most part, not too much craziness. I mean, you'd, you'd think that there would be like a uh, endless supply of stories. I mean, there were some weird ones. Oh, I can't um, wait to hear the rest of these stories. Cause already <laughs> when I've heard little bits and pieces of other people, I'm like, what is, I mean, is it all retails like this? I mean, Oh, I, I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, from the gap and it was like the worst was somebody pooped in our fitting room. Like, that is horrifying. I'm like, I don't oh. know. Thank God. I don't remember anything like that. <laughs> but- that happened to me at the gap in water tower in <laughs> Chicago. And the worst part is they used like at the time we had mannequin arms that were like, basically like stuffing. Like it was like fabric, like, like almost like a tube. And they helped themselves to using that as some sort of a cleanup, cleanup device. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Somebody pooped behind the wall in in Santa Monica. Like, you know, those art walls on the second floor, like yeah. where the windows were frosted. Somebody, I, we think it was a kid. We think some kid like had an emergency and like went back behind the wall. I mean, people are, I mean, Retail people are wonderful, fire. but people can be really disgusting. <laughs> wow. So on that note... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to take it down that. Because I'm the one that brought up the, the plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me. I so appreciate this. And it's so great to be able to see you face to face because I love you and I adore you. And it's like, it's so. nice to be able to catch up at the same time, kind of tell the story of like 
who you are as well as like what anthro and the experiences we had. And cause I think it's like, it's somewhat of a mythical creature, I think to a lot of people. And I feel like this is like, since all of us came out of this is a good way of like telling our mythical creature story. No, thank you. I mean, I obviously love you and I am always happy to, to have, I mean, talking about this stuff is such a joy because it's such a strange world. And I, I do think, I think anthro did something that was so unique and I, I see, I think other retailers want to dip their toe in that water, but it is a hard thing to do. And I can, you have to spend a lot of money and you have to find the great, the lot of talent, which those two things alone is a huge investment. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully it's getting dialed back now a little bit more now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's different there now doing it when it's like, you know, however many stores they're at now, it's like, I just, but it is nice to see that people are, cause I always say like, anthro is all about sight sound and scent you know yeah the, yeah the cake smelling candle from patty wax and you know the the visual of the cake i mean it just it's all dreamy so i i'm i'm grateful that i had the ability to work with you and talk to you this afternoon and that is a wrap Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode. I really appreciate it. And be sure to tune in every Wednesday for more stories and lessons from the life and retail. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Retail Horror Podcast. And you can find us online at theretailhorrorpodcast.com. <laughs>